Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like Good morning again. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBurge on the Faith Radio Network. Um, Welcome to those of you listening around the world in time zones far from mine. So um, thank you for being with us. Uh, Thank you for Kim, who just checked in a minute ago and said the students in her class yesterday, um, I happen to know that she teaches um, uh, adult caregivers. And she said, my students yesterday were from Taiwan, Nigeria, Somalia, Somalia. uh, a single mom just uh, just out of treatment and three who just arrived from the Philippines. And so as as people who are listening, like Kim, are being equipped to then in turn um, love and be gospel people in the lives of others, you know, let's just be mindful to be praying for one another today. Uh, some of us, you know, we, we don't leave the neighborhoods where we grew up. Like we, um, we are going to be right where we are, but that doesn't mean that God can't bring the world to us uh, and that we can't minister to our neighbors in the very spirit of Christ. So wherever you are today, wherever God has placed you for this season, he has you there for a reason and he has already fully equipped you for every good work that he has planned in advance for you to do. So make good use of those spiritual resources that God has delivered into your life to advance the gospel today, always and in all ways. I want to turn our attention briefly this morning to Ukraine I'm going to keep us uh, aware and abreast of what is happening there. Uh, Ukraine, particularly, um, you know, those uh, in in office in Kiev are working very diligently to seek to open corridors for grain exports. The world is going to be very, very hungry um, if if those exports of grain do not find their way um, outside of that country to the rest of the of the world. So seeking security guarantees. For Black Sea grain exports, that would be something that you could have in your prayers today, that God would make a way where there seems to be no way. Um, And then on the battlefront, Ukraine's troops are holding out in the eastern city of Severodonetsk, but uh, fighting is fierce, losses are many. Um, Troops are described as locked in a brutal battle against Russian forces, um, Russia seems intent to capture eastern Ukraine. President Vladimir Zelensky has maintained that Ukraine's goal is regaining full sovereignty of its territory. Full sovereignty of its territory. That's the language I want to lift up today. Because when I read that, I uh, I recalled to mind, or God recalled to mind, um, theologian Abraham Kuyper and what he said about, you know, Every square inch uh, being that over which Christ declares mine. There's not one square inch over which Christ does not declare mine. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. And I know that 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 language of uh, what we call sphere sovereignty, this one square inch, I know that that has been personalized and individualized in sort of the American theological scene because 
people are tempted to reduce Jesus's lordship maybe to one isolated compartment place or day of the week. Um, But the downside of the kind of Americanization of the one square inch conversation has been that we imagine that, you know, it's just me and Jesus. And yes, Jesus wants sovereignty over every square inch of my life. And that is true. But the statement is so much bigger than that. Jesus declares sovereignty over every square inch of all creation, every place, everyone, everywhere, every square inch of the cosmos. And so let us not limit the scope or or imagine that all Jesus wants is to be Lord of our lives. God is a jealous God, um, but that's in the most positive of senses. God's jealousy is for for us and our salvation for every person in every place in all of time. So let us consider today the lengths to which God has gone to defend his sovereignty over all creation. And let's be people who aren't willing to concede even one square inch. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Next up, Angela Lou Fulton. She's coming to us uh, today from Taipei, Taiwan. Um, We're going to talk about reforming journalism and the Reforming Journalism Project. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thrilled to have joining us now, Angela Lou Fulton. She's a freelance journalist and an editor. Previously, she was the managing editor and senior reporter and East Asia correspondent at World Magazine. Um, She has been teaching and organizing World Journalism Institute courses in East Asia. She currently lives with her husband and their young son in Taipei, Taiwan. And she's joining us today to talk about an exciting project, Reforming Journalism. You can find what we're discussing at reformingjournalism.com. Dot com. Angela, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. So let's talk about journalism and the need for reformation in journalism. What's the need you are seeking to address? Yeah, so I think that the, the problem that we're seeing is in the past uh, decade, just seeing that local journalism has been dying off. Um, and this is obviously caused by reasons such as um, losing advertisers because of the internet and you know tech giants like Facebook and Google being able to personalize ads, um, and so you're seeing a lot of these newspapers shutting down or having having to cut their staff until there's very few reporters left, um, and you're just seeing newspapers getting bought out and getting sold. And um, I, I think since since 20, 2005 about 2,200 local newspapers have closed. And and we're also seeing a spread of news deserts, which are areas, uh, cities, towns, communities that do not have any local news. And I think when we see that, you know, it's, it's a lot of statistics, it's a lot of like big picture, but what it looks like on the ground is it means less people are, are becoming in, are being informed about what's happening down the street. They're not getting to know, um, you know, these some of these profiles about their neighbors. They're not understanding what their neighbors are going through, um, and it also causes less civic engagement. You see people who are more uninformed about um, local elections, and maybe 
they even know more about national or international news than they know about you know what's happening um, in their community, and these are things that can impact them directly. So I, uh, when you mentioned news deserts, I just quickly, you know, the Googler is amazing, right? So I just Googled that and come to find out there is a way that you can look um, in your own community and see whether or not you live in a news desert. So you could go to usnewsdeserts.com and check out that interactive map. Um, if I find out that I do live in a relative news desert, either, either you know, completely because there's no local reporting or, let's say, um, a huge multinational uh, corporation owns my local paper. And so it's not really local news at all. Um, what might I do? Like you're seeking to inspire Christians who are already deployed in every community around the world to actually take on this challenge. Talk, talk about that. Yeah, we just see an enormous opportunity for Christians to step in the step into these gaps. Um, I think that there are people who are in the community who have lived there, who you know um, know the neighborhoods, know kind of the issues that can um, start start a news local news site. Um, and this is something that we're really passionate about. And what re- the Reforming Journalism Project wants to do is to create a network of these. Christians who who care and are passionate about local news. And so what we're doing in August is we're having our first uh, five-day intensive course. And we want to um, invite Christians to come who are interested in serving in their community this way. And we want to help them, um, equip them um, to start their own news sites. And so what that will look like is obviously we'll be having um, veteran reporters coming and, and teaching about reporting, about how to, to write quality stories and how to do interviews um, that will attract a local audience. But we also have another aspect to it, which is um, looking at examples of what has worked in terms of keeping these news sites sustainable. Because I think that is the big question with local news, which is a lot of people think it's a, a good thing where they would agree that it's important. But the question is, you know, how do you how do you make money doing it um, when there's so many challenges and and especially with the Internet now, there's also so many other um, news outlets that are trying to pull your attention away. I think there's also a conversation, Angela, and maybe we'll talk about this just after the break. You know, you know, who qualifies as a journalist and what are the journalistic standards? And would those be some of the things I would be learning if I came to the reforming journalism um, project event, uh, August 8 to 12 at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. So if you're thinking to yourself, you know what, that is something I, I'm fascinated by. I'd love to explore um, and I'm available. Um, here's the really good news. Um, other than getting yourself there, it's all free. So this intensive five-day course includes um, lectures and hand-on, hands-on journalism experience. Um, it is going to be August 8 to 12 at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Um, and you can apply today. Uh, you, the website is reformingjournalism.com, reformingjournalism.com. We'll continue our con- conversation with Angela Lou Fulton in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm smelling coffee, birds are singing just outside. Here comes your mercy streaming in with the morning light. Angela Lou Fulton is our conversation partner today. 
Um, we're talking about the Reforming Journalism Project. You can find out more and actually um, uh, register for the event at reformingjournalism.com. Um, Angela is coming to us from Taipei, Taiwan, and so maybe not smelling coffee because maybe um, the birds aren't just now singing outside. What time is it where you live? Yeah, right now it's 8, 8 p.m. So like so you're already done. How was, how, how was our, um, what day of the week is this? How, how was our Tuesday? Wednesday. How was our Wednesday? <laughs> 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 I traveled yesterday, and so I'm always completely thrown off on the day after travel. So, um, okay, how was Wednesday? When we look back at Wednesday, how will we feel? Well, for me, exhausted. I, I have a, have a one and a half year old. So it's always a lot of running around. Wow. All right. So, um, take us outside for a minute. Um, I mean, I have never been to Taiwan. I don't have any context for imagining what life is like there. I mean, you know, little white houses with white picket fences and big yards and everybody has a dog or not. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I, where I live in Taipei, it's very much a city. Uh, there's a lot of the buildings are very old, very close. Everyone's very close together. Um, right now we are going through a COVID wave. So you would see everyone wearing face masks outside. And um, there are some restrictions. However, Taiwan has decided to live with the virus instead of completely um, going the, the zero COVID route. So you know, you'll, you'll still see a lot of people outside in the parks and going to restaurants. Okay, so now I've been to some places in the world where, you know, the local wisdom would be um, never let anybody, you know, like once you arrive, never let anybody else touch your suitcase. Like, you know, be sure you're hanging on to your stuff. I mean, would you say that where you live feels relatively safe? It does not feel safe. Give us a sense of what life is like. And then maybe for people of faith, because I think that there are folks who, we hear Taiwan in the news in relationship to mm -hmm. China and then in relationship to how China might be watching how the world is responding to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Like that's pretty much, Angela, to be honest, mm -hmm. like the context of the word Taiwan in contemporary conversations in America. Right. Yeah. So Taiwan, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the first part of your question was. Well, kind of what, what, what do you feel safe? What is it like there oh, right. for Christians? Yes. So it's very safe. I would say I feel comfortable walking outside by myself any time of the day or even the night. Um, my friend, he did not lock his bike for two years and it never mm. got stolen. <laughs> so it's very safe. Um, and in terms for, for Christianity, actually in Taipei, there are a larger number of Christians than in other parts of, of the of the island um, because a lot of the island is still, they have, a, they believe in traditional religion and a, a mixture of traditional religion, Taoism and Buddhism. Um, so you'll see a lot of temples and on certain days they'll be, uh, you know, burning incense, they'll be um, making sacrifices. So there's definitely, it is definitely very religious. Um, but in, in Taipei, especially amongst maybe people who have traveled abroad, lived in the U.S. and come back, um, a kind of among the the white collar workers, there there are is a is a, a pretty substantial uh, Christian population, but overall, I believe in Taiwan it's about five percent Christian. And in terms of um, the the fears of invasion, I would say that this is something that I always see in Western media. This is all they talk about. But here, it's I mean, I think that people here have 
uh, kind of been living under that threat for the past 70 years. So they're just going, going, you know, they're going outside, they're going grocery, they're, uh, they're going to the, to the marketplace, they're, you know, chatting with friends. It's something that is talked about, but not a very um, visceral fear. So um, June 4, I recognize is a really serious and somber anniversary. Um, remind people why June 4 is observed um, by many, many people um, in Taiwan. Yeah, so June 4th is the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre, which happened in uh, 1989. It was when there was a uh, peaceful pro-democracy um, movement with a student movement that uh, led to a crackdown um, by Beijing, by the People's Liberation Army. And I think that this, what's, what's notable about um, this anniversary is that for a very long time, it was it was always celebrated in Hong Kong um, because Hong Kong is, um, ha- is, has this high level of autonomy from, the, from China um, because it was a, previously a British colony. And they, they used to have a huge celebration or not celebration, a memorial every June 4th at Victoria Park. Um, and sometimes tens of thousands of people would come and they would light candles and remember. Um, but actually that has very quickly changed um, as, as things have gotten much tighter in Hong Kong and with the passage of the national security law. And so 2019 was the last time that they had the vigil. And now, um, the people who had uh, organized the vigils have been um, imprisoned, and people who who even try to remember this date in Hong Kong, they're 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 silenced. Um, and it is very sad to see how quickly things have changed and how those rights have deteriorated in Hong Kong. And so right now, Taiwan is the only place um, in in like. Hong Kong, Taiwan, China, in this in this area where you can um, still remember the state. Um, but but honestly, I think a lot of people here um, some are indifferent to it because they they think it's something that happened. You know, they don't see how it connects to their lives. Mm. So I say, so even though in Taiwan there there was a vigil, I don't I don't think most people think too much about that day. Um, when you think about the particular challenges that um, maybe journalists and maybe Christians um, face in East Asia, Asia, is there um, is there something that rises to the top of the list? Because I think when we talk about journalism and the challenge of um, of freedom, the the conversations or questions that people in the United States would be facing in terms of uh, what what we are at liberty to do. Um, all the mm-hmm. time and everywhere. Not everyone is enjoying such liberty. Definitely. Yeah, we see that, um, you know, even even in Hong Kong more, more recently in these past three years, there's just been, um, it's just been more and more restrictions on, on journalists. Um, and for instance, there was a very popular uh, pro-democracy newspaper called Apple Daily that was, that was shut down and all of the the records online were 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 purged, and a lot of the the leaders were um, were arrested and detained. Um, and then also for even just uh, Western journalists in China, it's been becoming more and more difficult to report um, because the people who speak to these 
reporters, the locals will get arrested. And so even by just doing an interview, it can endanger um, locals, whoever you're talking to. Yeah, and I think it is something that as Americans, we, we, we do take for granted. And sometimes, you know, we even demonize the media in the US. Um, but um, I think living abroad and seeing, seeing how, how much people are willing to risk to, to speak the truth and what happens when, when, when no one is able to speak the truth and there's only one version of the story, the government's version, um, it makes you really cherish um, the freedom of the press. And, and, and also want, I think it, it, for me at least, it makes you want to support local journalism, even if um, you, know, you, might, you might not completely agree with you know, the, the stance of where the newspaper stands. It, it, there's still journalists there who are working hard to find the truth and to, to tell the truth and to um, inform, inform the citizens. And, and, and like you kind of were mentioning or talking about earlier, these are, these are different ways that we can pray for the people around us. Um, and one, one of the, uh, one local journalist that I had interviewed recently, he had mentioned, you know, how can we love our neighbors if we don't even know who they are and what they're mm. going through? And so I think that this, just bring it all back, like this is why Christians need to care about local journalism, because this, these are the people you're living with, and these are the people that you see in your everyday lives. And when you know them and you know what they're going through, you can better help build up your community and also pray for them. And also it, the, the people, even if you disagree, you know, these are, these are faces that you know, and these are ways that we can, you know, love others and, and eventually share the gospel with them too. Angela Lou Fulton, um, she is heading up the Reforming Journalism Project. You can find more information and register to participate at reformingjournalism.com. Angela, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll be right back. What do you believe about what happened in the beginning? In the beginning, what comes next? You know, if you're a person who has read the Bible and you believe what the Bible says because you believe that the Bible is the revealed word of the very living God, then you believe that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Or maybe you're going to say, well, in the beginning, in the beginning, God. And in the beginning, God created. We're going to talk about the characters of creation, what happened at creation, Um, not just the people, but the creatures and yes, the serpent, all of that up next with Dan Darling, author of The Characters of Creation. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Joining us today, Dan Darling, new resident of the great state of Texas, also the director of the Land Center, training the next generation of Christian leaders to engage society with gospel truth that results in human flourishing. You can find 
the Land Center at landcenter.org. You can find Dan on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and right here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be on with you. All right. So um, moving is, as we say, not for the the faint of heart. So thank you for being with us. I think your move just took place this week. Yes, we're in the process of moving, as as we like to say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, one of the uh, books that you now get to unpack from your boxes is The Characters of Creation, The Men, Women, Creatures, and Serpent Present at the Beginning of the World. Let's talk about the beginning. Um, You know, there are things that we believe about what happened in the beginning and what we believe about our origins helps us uh, understand and frame everything else. So talk about creation and the characters of it. Well, I, I really think you can't understand the story of Christianity without understanding uh, Genesis. Uh, the opening pages of, of our Bibles really uh, give us a framework for not only how we uh, see God and how we should think about God as he presents himself, but also, also how we should think about ourselves as human beings and how we should think about the world. Uh, I think it's no secret. Everybody, uh, you don't have to be religious to understand that the you look around the world and realize that it's somewhat messed up. Uh, the world is broken. Um, people many times are broken. And a lot of folks are at, asking the question, why are things the way they are? Why are they not how they should be? And Genesis really not only tells us, gives us a diagnosis of the human condition as it is, um, but also as it was meant to be and uh, really points us forward toward the, what the Christian story says that, uh, God in Christ is in the process of renewing and restoring a broken world. So I am, um, I'm taking a few notes. Um, this, this reality that Genesis tells us, well, first of all, that Genesis speaks to us like that, right? That God is talking to us, that God is telling his own story. This is really significant. And um, so when, when we say, um, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Like, right, I'm getting at a question about the Bible and my belief in the reality of God, which then moves me to the place where I could believe, might believe, what Genesis says about the origins of everything. Not everybody accepts that what Genesis says is the truth. Um, can you just talk with us about how we wander around in the confusion related to that question. Yeah. I mean, there, there are things in Genesis that good Christians disagree on exactly how the earth is and, and some things like that. But there are, are some things that uh, Christians really do need to accept. Um, the fact that Adam and Eve were real people who are the head of the human race. I mean, Jesus believed this Paul uh, believed this Paul, who was a Jewish scholar who was um, steeped in the Hebrew scriptures. He believed this. Um, and Christians throughout the last uh, 2000 years, church history have accepted and believed it. And one of the things I like to say to people who are skeptical about the Genesis narrative, um, skeptical about Christianity is, is before you reject what Genesis is saying, really actually see, see what Genesis is saying Mm. and see the story. It's very compelling. And, um, the idea that the world was once good that God created the world in beauty. He, he fashioned humans from the dust of the ground. He breathed into humans the breath of life. He stamped on humans his image. He um, empowered humans to 
create and innovate as God is a creator and innovator. And then something happened to the human condition. We all understand that there's something wrong with the human condition in some ways. And the Bible says that that is something called sin that has marbled its way into the human experience so much so that humans turn in on one another in violence. Uh, and even the planet, even the world, the cosmos is, is touched by sin in some way. But it also says that God is coming to renew. God has come to renew and restore the world. The, the scriptures say that God has visited us in Jesus to renew the world. That's a compelling story. And I think it's interesting. A lot of our stories, a lot of our myths and stories echo a, a bit of this narrative, right? If you think about, I just think about the Marvel movies. My, my kids love Marvel movies. All of them kind of start out with a premise that things were once good. Uh, things got messed up and we need something outside of us, something otherworldly to come and fix what has been broken. Uh, I think a lot of our stories say that. And so I think Genesis understanding that really, um, I, I think we can appeal to people's desire for renewal uh, of a broken world. We're talking with Dan Darling, uh, his most recent book, The Characters of Creation, The Men, Women, Creatures, and Serpent, present at the beginning of the world. Um, Dan, you know, I, some of the things that happen in Genesis that you've already pointed to, um, I mean, they do help us understand everything else, the world and everything in it. Um, you know, I, I love that God walked around in the garden in the cool of the day, um, but that is really hard for me to imagine because I don't think of God as embodied except in the person of Christ. So like, right, this is, is challenging. Some of the things that we read in, uh, in the opening uh, verses and chapters are challenging. Um, was Eve really made from Adam's rib? Was there really a talking serpent? Like, you know, there's some amazing things taking place and real characters. Mm. It, there really, really is. And one of the things I try to bring on here that these were real people, Adam and Eve, real people. What what would it have been like to be Adam, to be the first human being? There's no template mm. uh, of a father or, or other people, uh, a template for what it means to be human. Uh, and then what would it be like to be Adam, you know, after the fall where he's ashamed of the sin and, and bearing the weight and knowing that uh, because of your actions, the entire human race has fallen into sin. And yet I see we, I think we see a little bit of grace there in the opening pages, Genesis three, where God is pursuing Adam and he says to Adam, where are you? Uh, most of us see those words as words of condemnation that Adam was, was caught. But actually I think God's words to Adam were words of grace. Uh, God's searching after his people and seeking to save the lost. Um, and all of us can really, at some point, relate to Adam. We've all been caught in our sin. We've all been felt guilty and God pursuing us uh, with his grace. Hmm. And I think Eve gives us a really interesting picture of uh, what was it like to be the first woman? Uh, she, uh, Eve was created as a compliment to Adam. Eve was created because God made a statement that it's not good for humans to be alone, that we we're built for community, built for fellowship. Uh, the Bible says that she's the, she's the, uh, the mother of all living. And it's interesting, the story of Christianity, one of the, one of the threads throughout the scripture is the idea of women giving birth. So Eve giving birth is a sign that God wanted humanity can, to continue. And then you see Abraham and Sarah, you know, Sarah having a miraculous child in, in Isaac. And of course, Mary uh, with uh, the birth of Jesus, that the story is all, all, always about birth and rebirth. And it is really reflective of what God wants to do in us and uh, and re 
uh, in our rebirth, our spiritual rebirth. Mm. We're talking with Dan Darling. We're talking about the characters of creation. It's a reintroduction to the story that we thought we knew from Genesis. Um, it's a it's a wonderful um, exploration and explanation, uh, not only of the way things were in what I'll call the good old days, but, you know, how they got messed up and fresh insights into the people, uh, the first people in God's unfolding plan of redemption. More with Dan Darling next here on Mornings with Carmen. talking with best-selling author Dan Darling about his brand new book, The Characters of Creation. If you've ever given thought to Genesis chapter 1 and then Genesis, well, from there forward, all the way, let's say maybe, I don't know, to the days of Noah, like, right, there's a lot of great characters in those opening chapters of the Bible. We get to know real people um, and the real circumstances of their very real lives. The chapters um, in the book, um, you know, take us into the lives of those who are described as the delinquent, the forbidden, the deceiver, the slain, the marked, the conquering seed, the depraved, the preacher, and the descendants. Um, Dan, when we talk about the characters of creation, uh, you know, and I will say that in recent days, as I'm considering the grief of um, of parents, um, particularly in places like Uvalde, I'm I am very, very quickly reminded that the very first parents suffered very deep grief when one mm. brother um, became so angry and jealous toward the other that he took his life. And I can't mm. I can't imagine Adam and Eve, the very first people, you know, as you have encouraged us to consider what that was like before the fall and then living not only with the joy of these two little boys, but the agony and the grief when one takes the life of the other. Like I, this very first generation of humanity suffered the full, I mean, just crushing consequence of their sin. Mm. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. We sometimes uh, domesticate the idea of sin in our culture. You know, we even use it to describe like sinfully delicious chocolate or ice cream or something like that. But the truth is the Bible describes sin as something violent, something that was that um, is not is not normal. And um, James, the Apostle James says, when sin conceives, it brings forth death. We see that in the first family and the very first family, brother against brother violence. Uh, Cain is jealous of Abel's sacrifice and he kills him in cold blood. Uh, we forget that these are these are actually we're actually people. These were two sons. Imagine the grief that Adam and Eve uh, had when they saw that their son Abel was slain and that was slain at the hands of their own other son. And I think it just tells us the seriousness. When sin enters the world, it brings forth death. It 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 uh, works its way into every human heart, hmm. and humans um, turn in on one another because of this. But the promise of Scripture is that God has come to rescue us from our sin that Christ took on that sin on him and offers us a way away from sin and God is re restoring us. So one of the things I love about Genesis and love about seeing these characters is you not only see the bad, you see the violence, the brokenness, the despair. You also see hope mm -hmm. that God is um, 
you could see God in, even in the midst of despair. Sometimes it's hard in our broken world to see that. Sometimes it's hard to look around and say, man, I don't see where God is at work at all. The children are being killed in school. There's, you know, war in Ukraine and lives are being lost every day. And so many things are, are so awful. Can you see the threads of, of God's redemptive work? And the Bible helps us do that. The story of Genesis helps us do that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the things that uh, you do very, very effectively in this book, and again, the book is The Characters of Creation. Dan Darling is the author. One of the things you do so effectively is is you you take us from sort of the looking around that we do a lot in the world today. Like, right, I'm looking around and it is it doesn't seem very hopeful. But then you help me look back and recognize not only the way God created it to be, but you help me look forward to the way God is going to recreate it. To talk about the full scope of Scripture as we're, you know, as we're looking at the characters of creation, we're also looking at the full scope of Scripture and the comprehensive redemptive narrative arc. Yeah, really, really, Genesis gives us a lens by which we can read the rest of the Scriptures. And this is the, the lens is, is that God is um, creating and recreating. Um, he's in the process of recreating what sin has destroyed. Um, one of my favorite things to look at is, you know, Genesis sort of has these, uh, God gives this promise to Adam and Eve after the fall that, um, the serpent will, the, there will be a violent clash between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And you see that kind of run through scripture that, um, this violent clash between good and evil. And then you kind of see it play out in these two um, family lines, the, the line of Cain and the line of Seth. And in a sense, in a spiritual sense, all of us are either in, in, in the line of the redeemed or the line of, uh, of sinners. And, and because of Jesus, God has given us new life. God has made us part of his family. We can be uh, part of the family of the redeemed. And I, I think that's just the way you see, it helps you see the scriptures and see the world. And sometimes we think, this clash between good and evil is is as if God and and Satan are are equal matches. But the truth is, Satan is a created being, and uh, he is only allowed to do what God allows him to do. And God has defeated and conquered Satan. Uh, when Jesus cried out, "It is finished," Satan was defeated, sin, death, and the grave. And so, even though Satan still roars, even so, even though the enemy still s- seeks to devour and destroy, even though sin takes uh, so, so much of a toll, violence and bloodshed. We, we can say that, uh, as Jesus said, as John said in John 1, that um, the light has come to the world and it was not overcome by the darkness. And I think that's the promise that we have, uh, both from Genesis, but all the way through scripture, that the darkness has not overcome the light. Mm. Um, and I think that's a message we need to hear as we open our uh computers or our our phones and we scroll social media and just the the bad news just kind of rains down on us to understand that the light has not been extinguished that the darkness has not overcome it amen the light shines i want to give you um a minute here to um eulogize uh your uncle jim to whom the book is dedicated tell us tell us about uncle jim well right about when i was writing this my my uncle jim uh passed away he was a um, a mailman for 40 years. He was a faithful Christian lay person, uh, loved the Lord, loved his family. It was just a, a, a 
the kind of people that I think the body of Christ is is built on the the kingdom of Christ is, uh, of God is built on. Some of us have titles. Some of us write books and do things like that. But most of the people in the body of Christ, most of the people in the kingdom of Christ, are just obedient, faithful, unknown lay people. Um, and uh, he, the last few years of his life, he had Alzheimer's and his memory wasted away. And it was hard to see him go through that. But one of the things that gives me hope is the promise that of, of the resurrection, the promise that God is making all things new, that God is going to renew and restore my uncle Jim's body. He's going to renew, renew and restore our bodies at the end of the age. And so I wanted to dedicate it to him as a, just a faithful uh, follower of Christ in his time. I love it. I, I really appreciated that. So um, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your um, your sweetness of spirit. Thank you for uh, the authenticity of your faith. Um, thank you for joining us. The book is The Characters of Creation. Dan Darling is the author, and he is now going to get back to unpacking boxes in Fort Worth, Texas. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. We love visiting thank you, with you. Thank you so much. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. encouraging you to pray today um, for the survivors in Uvalde. Um, not not only, you know, the members of the families of those who lost their lives, um, but be praying for the survivors. They're, they're beginning to be released from the hospital, discharged from the hospital, and media is beginning to publicly interview them, and emotions are pretty raw. So I was reading yesterday about... Um, one of the teachers who was shot twice, injured, he is uh, now recovering. Um, and he gave a very emotional interview that, that aired on Tuesday. And he talked about, you know, how he would never, never, never forgive the police. Um, he's he's angry. Um, and I understand that. But let, let me just say that unforgiveness is literally no way to live. You cannot live in unforgiveness. Um, And so let us be people who live in the reality of um, being forgiven in Christ Jesus. And then let's be people who are expressing, expressing to others the reality of the goodness and the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is possible. It is real. And we need to extend it to others as well. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. You can catch the podcast uh, later and share it with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Uh, tonight is Wednesday, so I'm going to do chapter one of Speak the Truth on a Facebook Live. Just go to Facebook, look for Reconnect with Carmen. That's where I'll, I'll be at 630 Central tonight, chapter one of Speak the Truth. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.